0: <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to start the show with this, right? Appropriate. <laughs> it's the Reading Aloud <laughs> book club. My name is Nate Cordry. Uh, we're listening to generic circus theme music <laughs> because uh, this book takes place primarily in a circus. Um, we're talking about... A geek Love, written by Catherine Dunn. I sound so tinny. Is that okay? Does it sound? Is it Coogie. coming through? Oh fuck it. Uh, well, let's just address this oh. right now. Sam is in oh, here. That was me. So I we have you. a wild <laughs> animal as our engineer. That was on engineer. me. I turned it up too loud. Well. Is it you, Robert? That was me. Yeah. I feel like I should blame Cody <laughs> anyway. Engineer Cody you can blame is here. Me. Um, he is easy to blame. Sam is uh, on a plane going to Wisconsin, I believe. New York. Going to New York. He landed.
1: Oh. He, he saw a Shake Shack in the JFK, and he was immediately going there. Good for him.
0: <laughs> That's what you do at JFK. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you fly JetBlue into JFK, maybe it's in the same—maybe you flew JetBlue. That terminal is— pretty new and they have the best food choices of any airport like in America yeah
1: I ate at the Shake Shack when I was in JFK like a couple weeks ago it's
0: so fucking good
1: I was very on board but
0: my issue with JetBlue is every time you leave uh, out of Burbank they have to land twice I've left out of Burbank going to New York and twice they've landed in Vegas to get gas (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we sat on the fucking tarmac for like forty-five minutes. It's, it's like, cheaper in Vegas. Is yeah. that what it is? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You that's weird. It's a big person airplane. You can make it from Burbank to, to New York. Yeah. And twice they've stopped. I'm like, I'm fucking done. I'm not flying JetBlue out of Burbank no. anymore.
1: No, Vir- I like Virgin or I like Southwest. Southwest too. Depending on where you're going.
0: I don't like Southwest because I feel like I'm on a Greyhound bus going <laughs> to you know. <laughs> I guess if you're going to, but if you're you just going pay to pay twelve bucks to get in the first Greyhound yeah you're right place, that's like, true so then you you're guaranteed. Guaranteed uh, uh, an aisle seat you, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, or wherever you want right. to sit, if you're well, business select or whatever it is. The
1: trick is getting group B because my theory is if you're in group A, that Whoa. means anybody can try to sit next to you. And if you're in group oh, yes. C, you have to sit oh, next to yeah. weird people. But if you're in B, you can kind of control who you want to sit next to. Hold you. on. Exp-
0: uh, you're brilliant. <laughs> so you can control like how you live your life, basically. Yeah. you. Catherine pick- Dunn's Geek Love is about this. Contro- it's about control. Yes. <laughs> More circus music! (laughs) Um, Wait, I don't understand. B what's the difference between A group and B group so A you board first so yeah. there's
1: you can pick any seat you want right but then it's like let's say you want a window seat or even if you want an aisle seat or whatever people people in group B or C will kind of come in and they'll give you that like look of like, mm, like I want to sit next to you and if they're like a weird person then it's like you have to either like really like look down like try not to make eye contact if like, yeah. they're weird but <laughs> if you're in B it's perfect because then you can choose what person you sit next to if you're like that person seems nice, I'm going to sit next to you. Uh,
0: gotcha. Okay. But if you're
1: in C, then you're stuck with whoever Like everyone didn't want to sit next to.
0: It's like getting <laughs> on the school bus in middle school.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: It's just you get
0: to You get to have control.
1: Yeah. Hi, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Anytime I see, I don't know if you guys are the same way, I, but every time I see like an attractive person, like a lady that I like, was like, oh, that'd be a nice uh, person to sit next to, I never... Ever choose to sit next to them because I don't want them to make the assumption that I'm creepily sitting next to them <laughs> to like to talk to them on a plane or a bus. I ne- I always I'm like oh that's a person I like to sit next to, you, but I'm not going to because I don't want to freak her out.
1: No, that's that's like the best. That, then you make a plane friend.
0: Uh, I, I'm just f- <laughs> afraid of sitting down and then making the assumption like this fucking asshole is fucking gonna talk my ear off on this. Mm, no, I don't know. No,
1: I think that's a. I think that you know that's. A, I think you should. I should. Yeah. All
0: right, 2016. It's June. Maybe in. The Next time I fly, I'm going to walk time. up and sit next to someone I want to sit next to. <laughs> Do it. If it's Southwest. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> Eric Patterson is here. Hi, Eric. Hi, how are you? Eric was here a couple months ago. I'm well. Uh, for Sylvia Plath. The Bell Jar. The Bell Jar. Mm. Yeah, we got way fucking deep with that conversation. It was. That was a great book club.
2: It
3: was intense. Uh,
0: it was really intense. Uh, we talked about mental illness. Robert Baker is here. Baker, the last time you were here was for- The Haunting the, of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which was a little bit about mental il- illness. Yeah. Yes, it was. Um but more about spooky specters and um and weird shaped homes. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah, that. In constant that book. shifting. Yeah, a lot of shifting. Shifting architecture. Yeah, a lot of blood. Um <laughs> And Dennis here, who is uh who just told us about her multiple earwolf husbands. Yeah. What is your technical cause you're, I feel like you're your title has changed. Uh, my Raisin- title.
1: I am a. I am a producer now. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. I was producing before, but not full time. I was kind of balancing studio management with right. producing. Right. So but you now sit
0: next to the cute guy on the plane. You're like, I'm a producer. I'm a producer. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: always. <laughs> uh,
0: so you're producing now here yes. at Earwolf. Yes. Um, and last time you were here was for Haunting a Playhouse. Haunting a well, right? yeah. Yeah. Um, Very different read. Mm -hmm. Today we're talking about Geek Love, Catherine Dunn, written in the 80s. Um, She recently died. That's why I chose it, because it's a book that so many of my friends have read and loved. It's on a lot of my friends whose reading choices I respect when I look at their bookcases. This book is always there. I've never read it. um, And she died recently, and I heard a piece on NPR about her talking to her—they interviewed her son— and they were talking about how she came up with this idea for the story. Had any of you guys read it before? I had. You had? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you mentioned that you. No, I read it
2: about twenty years ago. Oh wow! And I forgot how intense it is. I mean, I remembered it was intense,
0: but it's, yeah. it's
2: much more intense than I remembered.
0: Like grotesquely intense, but also like emotionally intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she doesn't. Um, there, she doesn't like tap the brakes many times no. in this novel. <laughs>
1: Really, um, really. We
0: go in depth crazy. from like the word go. Uh, yeah. And she chal- she it's like a challenging novel. She mm-hmm. yep. asks a lot of it the is. audience. Um, Dunn, I'm going to read this from a. Uh, I feel like this is from Wired. Den recalls the moment when she began writing Geek Love. It was the late 70s. My son was about seven or eight years old. I'm a big walker. I like to take long walks and I like to have company. And one summer day I said to my son, come on, let's take a walk. I'm going to go to the Rose Garden. He didn't want to. He wanted to stay and play with his friends. So I went out on my walk and was feeling a little miffed at him. I came to the big experimental rose garden in Washington Park in Portland, way on the top of the hill. I sat on the brick steps there and looked out at all these hundreds of varieties of roses— each of which had been bred very carefully for particular qualities, different colors, shapes, and scents, one color on the inside of the petal, one color on the outside. I started thinking about a topic that engaged me for a long time, nature versus nurture, and about the manipulation of genetic heritage. It occurred to me that I could have designed a more obedient (laughs) son. Um. so she's from uh, she was born in, in Kansas City she lived in Portland she went to the hippiest college in America besides Hampshire Reed College in Portland <laughs> which doesn't have they have like a clothing optional dorm and there's no grades oh, yeah. and you can just like go to the bathroom wherever you want um, I made that last part up but I feel like you could probably do your thesis in like pooing in public and they'd be like okay I'm on board Uh, I'm gonna get letters from people who want to read Um, she also was really fascinated with boxing she wrote a lot she had a regular uh, column on boxing um, and she was a voiceover artist and she was a radio host Which is what Ollie does with her career as well. Um, And she, oh God, where is it? She she had a story on KBOO, KBOO, which was a radio show (laughs) on Portland's community radio station in which she would read short stories. Uh, So I feel like I have a nice little kinship with her, because I like to read things on the internet radio Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Anyway, she died on May 11, 2016, um, due to complications of lung cancer. She had one Mm -hmm. child. um, And uh, that's sort of the background on her. Let's just go around. I'll st- I'm going to finish with you, Eric. I want to start with Dana um, because you had read it before. So your thoughts are a hell of a lot more complicated than ours, I'm sure. Um, Dana, you said you read this almost in a weekend?
1: I read it like like a week. I feel like, a, like a, actually more like two weekends. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I, you know, it's funny when I first, when I first started reading it, I was like, it was almost like a little bit hard for me to get into it. This is only like the first like 30 pages. I was like, ooh, like I felt like I'd been reading for a lot longer than I had I'm usually a really fast reader and it felt like very intense. It's because, you know, they set up the sort of the past and then they moved into that sort of that future. And I got, it was a little bit, it was a lot to kind of absorb up top because you weren't really sure what was going on or what the intention was. But then- once I got into it I like could not stop like I wanted to know like how how did these people get up like you know end up in this place and how were these people growing these kids growing and changing and it Great. was just unbelievable by the end. It was just totally insane and enthralling and just, like, just nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. But in the good—I mean, it's sad. It's sad and nuts and good, and I felt a lot of a variety of emotions sure. uh, reading <laughs> through it. Um, but it's just— I mean, it sounds so like lame of a compliment, but it just it's just uh, she created this world just so unbelievable and
0: yes, that's not lame at all.
1: It's just like very cre- very creative, um, but just just like yeah, the perspective was just so different from I think what other people like what quote like I don't know the. The perspective is really interesting. Let's we'll put it like
0: that. Yeah, there's something to be said. I wrote so, – so I have I, – when I, when I read books for the book club, I have a pen and a, and a highlighter with me. And so I'll highlight passages that I think will be relevant to the book club and then we'll jot down notes. And then I go back to the title page and I'll write just sort of general feelings that come to me when I'm reading. Like, oh, maybe this is a theme or a motif that will recur or whatever. And when, the first thing that I wrote was sometimes just to revel in imagination is enough. Because yeah. Catherine Dunn's imagination is incredible. It's it, and it dives so deep, and it's not just the description of the people, but the universe that they live in, which has, which I love that it has no time, mm-hmm. and all of the complicated relationships that are happening within this novel. I just like whether or not you're moved by it or you or you think it's good, uh, good writing. It's it's remarkable to just sort of step back and admire her imagination and creativity. And she
3: puts it in the characters, because, like, right from the get-go, you see, like, on the first page, you see the imagination of the father, of Al, Like, and how, like, you know, he calls the kids dreamlets, and he's talking about, you know, like Uh, even the way he talks from the beginning, is, like, nobody speaks like this. Exactly. It's really incredible, and, like, really cues you into who he is. Yes. And, like, this guy lives in his own world that he has created, you know, like the the circus world and then the literal world he creates. I want my kids to be like this. So I'm going to give my wife cocaine and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and hairspray to, yeah. you know, mutate the kids. It's yeah. like the imagination that you say that she has, she she like really imbues in all the characters too and just
0: makes this Yeah insane world I love the language that she uses too like you yeah. said that he, he, he refers to oh, them yeah. as dreamlets mm-hmm. and the, the the words that are used to describe like the way that Artie gets around sometimes like he hooches or yeah. scrotches or like words that I would never seen before yeah. to describe how they move I just thought it was like she was she's just inventing words and inventing a language,
1: yeah. I just feel like the reality that she created sometimes you read books and obviously, like, you know, it's very, very, very much fiction. And you can kind of tell and you kind of know that this is like really fantastical. yeah, and so many things about the characters in this book, um, you know, should be that. But it felt so weirdly grounded in a lot of ways that yeah. I almost felt like I wasn't reading something that was fake. I like believed in the reality that she created like I, I if you said like oh yeah this was like a real family back in the day that was like you know this kind of like this freak show carniness whatever i'd be like oh, okay like in yeah. some to some extent you Absolutely. know
2: i totally believe that now people
0: would follow the arturian movement like that felt like <laughs> oh, something <yeah. laughs> Absolutely. That would happen today
1: oh 100% i completely yeah. agree
0: and I, and I think that w- would have been the same in 1985 or mm-hmm. 1989, whenever this book was written. And
2: it's so fucked up and crazy, but people would do that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's like you <laughs> kind
1: of believe, you're like, okay, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're believing what he's preaching. And <laughs> yeah. She, it's and she really, really
3: legitimized it by having the reporter yes. come along. Yes. Yes. And then you would see like pages of his notes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this isn't even the article. This is just his notes. Mm-hmm. So you're like, this almost seems true. It's yes. Like- yes.
0: Absolutely. It's really smart of her to put that character in there to be sort of this like, outside perspective who's who's a journalist. He was like reality. You know, yes, he was inserted. almost like us, I yeah. guess. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, but would sort of ground it. But I completely agree with you, Dana. This world was thoroughly believable, even though the inhabitants are unbelievable. Right. You believe that they – I think because of their relationships within each – within, like, I feel like the nuclear family – yeah, the, the first chapter of the first book – it's called The Nuclear Family. Mm-hmm. Well, and
2: uh, Can I read this little
0: line? Because it made me think of
2: it. Of course. I love what you just read about her inspiration for the book with the roses because yeah. it's in here. Yeah. Like, yeah. She actually uses that. Yeah. In yeah, the, yeah. the roses started him thinking, this is on page nine, the roses started him thinking how the oddity of them was beautiful and how, the, how that oddity was contrived to give them value. Mm. It just struck me, clear and complete all at once, no long fig- figuring about it. He realized that children could be designed, and I thought to myself, no, that would be a Rose Garden worthy of a man's interest.
0: Wow, well, it's mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, like, she
2: just put that – I love that. Yeah.
3: The value in the oddity is such an interesting mm-hmm. idea. Like, yeah. Especially when and, – and in the 80s, I think when she wrote it, like when, the, when it was all about reinforcing the norm, you know, you had like Reagan and everybody was yes. kind of wanting to – whatever, you know, this is what's being sold, everybody did it. You know, it's like when commercials were yes. so huge and everything, it's like – and she was going so against that. With yeah, finding value mm-hmm. in individuality. And, yeah. and just straight up mutation. Yeah, know? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, let's I, th- th- uh, in reading some of about her, like in her Wikipedia page, just sort of general stuff. She was she spent ten years after college, after read just like traveling with this guy, like through Europe, and lived in the U.S. and was writing and doing all this kind of stuff. Like she was total like avant-garde sort of hippie artist I think and especially in this time I feel like she was like you said Robert completely sort of pushing away from Reaganism and this American like the sensibility of like follow be a Lemming like, like and, and and the people who were on the outskirts of that I feel like today th- their stories are being told. Maybe it's because of social media, or because we have more empathy towards them. But at that time, we didn't. I, I think like the whole punk rock movement, or like if you're into art or music, or sort of, sort of any sort of kind of um, different way of life, you weren't. It wasn't on the news. Mm-hmm. And I love that she brought this like right to the forefront and supported it. Like it's okay to. I mean, the whole. I mean, there's so many things to talk about with this fucking book, but (laughs) the nuts and bolts of it are, like, worth, right? Mm -hmm. Self-worth. Like, Mm -hmm. what is uh, valuing yourself for whoever you are and not allowing the quote-unquote norms to dictate how you feel about yourself? That's sort of the nuts and bolts of Mm Artie's philosophy, right? Like, pushing it to the extreme. Like, be different. Be... Deformed, remove a hand, remove an arm, because that empowers you to be different from everyone else. Right. Um, So I wonder, like, if I, I I wonder where the foundation of that is. Whether it's just like her own philosophy. She said she was a philosophy student at Reed. Um, But there's a couple things in here where I wonder if it's if it's her talking, Mm. or if it's just her characters. There's Mm -hmm. a there's some amazing. Um, where is it? Uh, let's see here. Artie's speech to McGurk about being yeah on page one seventy. McGurk comes in, who I think is like the, the mechanic, um, and Artie's talking to him. Oh, he's the electrician. The electrician, yeah. mm-hmm. and he says, "You know, you're taking the wrong road on those stumps." Yeah, he has. Um, he's his lost his legs Mm. and he has um, uh, he's got the prosthetics on yeah he has the prosthetics and uh, Artie says you know you're taking the wrong road in those stumps you're like a man with a beautiful voice taking a vow of silence (laughs) you're working hard to pretend they aren't there and you meet a girl in a bar and don't tell her about those knees until you get to take your pants off you want to tan your thighs and walk on them wear silver sequined pads and dance on a lit stage where they can see you all those soft girlies come knocking on your door borrowing sugar in the dead of night and sliming for you <laughs> you could have that not as much as i get but plenty you're just going along with what they want you to do they want those things hidden away disguised forgotten because they know how much power those stumps could have what does he mean what does he mean power what is what is the power of those stumps the power of revealing that you are that to the average person you are less than because you're missing something
2: what does that mean but i think i think it means by proving to the other people that you do, that you don't feel less than that they can't take anything away from you that right. you already you already are missing something that yeah. they think is integral right and it's it's a fuck you to yeah, the yeah. norms yeah that's yeah,
1: a yeah. that's a really really good point i definitely agree with that yeah cuz it's like exactly that it's just like you know I think a quote no, a norm or a normal person would sort of see somebody with a disability or with a you know being amputated in any way and and be like oh like like almost feel so sorry, so sorry. for that mm-hmm. person yes yes and it's like if you own it and you're like no like you know like too bad for you like you're like you have like. If you have never gone through, like, you know, a struggle or, or not being like, you know, the quote, normal person, like, you develop your own character, you develop your own, like, sense of the world because, I mean, like, like, you know, obviously it's, you know, Artie's like crawling around on the floor, you know, I mean, it's like, it's the perspective is both literally and mentally Mm. different. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, oh, you see a certain way, but I see the world completely differently. So within, in that, there is power in that perspective. Artie
3: is one of the most interesting and infuriating fucking characters I've ever read oh awesome like i wanted him i wanted him to die so many times Me too. like I, oh my when, God. when they got shot by the by the the, oh, the guy Derm. who became the bag man oh, yeah Derm, i was like man i hope arty dies yeah <laughs> i was like i <laughs> really hope he <Artie laughs> doesn't <laughs> make it out. was like, great <laughs> he wasn't even that forever. bad yet and he wasn't like, he, even, he even was that i know bad you're right and no then, and just that little... turned him that really was <laughs> like he
1: was like a super dick
0: he was like a little
1: Kid, yeah. you know, essentially, yeah, you know, from day, like, from day one, I was like, "Ooh," and like, it just made me that relationship with him and Ollie made me so sad, like oh, the oh, entire God. time, and it just like, just because it was just she was so de- like, there's a desperation. Ollie, and I
2: wanted her to just get
0: away from I him. Know, but, I know. I was like,
1: "What are you doing? Like, wrong? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, wrong choice."
0: I, I was I was torn between like being frustrated with them and being frustrated with Catherine Dunn. I was like, "Why? I don't understand. Like, how can she?" She tried to explain it a couple times, and every time because of my own bias that Mm -hmm. anyone who reads a book brings their own bias to it. I was like, I don't buy that she would stick... To, with him right. and worship him so much right. yeah. but, they,
2: but she lived in this world that was so insulated like, right. at one point towards the end Artie mentions that he has never watched TV I'd never seen a movie never yeah. seen a movie yeah. and I so like, this that. is wow. in their entire world and so for Ollie who knows nothing other than this, this quote unquote freakiness yeah. like the, her, it's her brother and that is her, her world revolves around him from day one and, yes. the, yeah. and
3: the value of the freak that she has and then when she sees how much norms love him right like, yeah he's like the the ultimate freak yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah you're I right i think
1: it's also like one of those things where it's like that idea that like you know there's like a popular kid in school and they might be like an asshole to everyone around but you almost like want to be even totally. though you know they're they're like a dick and they're mm-hmm. being terrible to people being on their on that the good side of that person, you almost feel special in that way. Where it's like, yeah. well, they're mean to everybody else, but they're nice to me. Some t- for the most Sometimes. part. Sometimes I mean, Sometimes. he's also pretty
2: awful to her. Yeah, yeah, he
1: yeah. was. Yes. He was but really it was, bad. It was
3: also safer to be on his good side. Oh, like he f- had yeah, no sure. problem. She was
0: doing also smart enough to realize to that.
3: that. Considering
1: yeah. that he pretty much wanted to kill like every single person. <laughs> well, and he killed so
3: many of his siblings. Like uh, you know, yes. that when they talk about the sibling that died at the beginning, that it was so that was spectacular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like a pillow fell on its face. Yeah. yeah. And they must like, yes, oh, like, right. oh, put her
1: in the no. jar. I was like, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Got to polish those jars. Oh, God. Uh, Sam Kiefer is not with us today. Again, he's in New York. <laughs> he's eating Shake Shack at JFK. But he did cleverly record uh, eight little uh, <laughs> uh, statements about his uh, feelings on this book. Sam's uh, en- Thoughts? Sam's Thoughts.
1: Sam's Thoughts. <laughs> uh,
0: Engineer Cody, could you play uh, Sam Thought number five, Which is entitled Being Normal. Sure. Here we go.
4: Hey, Nathan Book Club. One of the things I really liked about this book is that it is not a book about, as I thought it would be, a book about um, these people that do these things to their kids and they come out deformed and their search or struggle to fit in. It's about their struggle to deal with normal people and how boring and stupid and dull normal people are and how grating it is to have to deal with them. And I love that they, they, not only are they not ashamed of it, they pity anyone. There's some great lines in there. Uh, they, uh, Miranda asks uh, Ollie, you know, uh, do you ever wish to be normal? And she's like, no, if anything, I'd like to be more weird you know, or have more deformities. And they, you know, where they pull, pull Ollie up on stage, and instead of being ashamed, she just starts dancing and creeps him out. There's a line she uses, something to the extent she's like, I conquered them. I fucking conquered these people. You know, they tried to make me feel weird. Like I will out weird you. I feel you're all pathetic. You know, pathetic and weak. Uh, and I really, really liked that. Uh,
0: I agree with you, Sam. I, it's what we Sam. Sam, <laughs> there's a voice. There's a voice of Sam. Um, I love that. Uh, that I, I, agree. I, I think it's, it's She sets the tone pretty early on that these are our, this family is our heroes besides mm-hmm. a, already sort of um, going off and starting uh, a cult and a religion. But the fact that they are all so empowered by their differences is I can see why so many people can be obsessed with this book because it just reinforces this like love of self no matter what you are. it like, it, it, I mean, I can see so many Outsiders, whether it's um, based on your uh, physical appearance or your socioeconomic status or your gender or sexuality or color or whatever it is that makes you, quote unquote, different or other, that this book is just something that you can really rally around. Yeah, because no denial of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Self is the most important thing. And that if they're, and the people who aren't, who are typical are weak are um are boring, are, um, are other to them. Right, right. Well, it's like
1: that whole, like, you know, living up to so- what society wants from you kind of thing. They didn't care about that. It was almost like, I mean, going back to the whole, like, power theme, it's like, you know, I think that whenever you kind of hear about, like, a freak show or, like, a, a circus of some sort like that, you know, it's... It's always like, you know, the people in the stands like gawking at these other people being like like w- like wow, they're so weird and different, but like yeah. and then there's like a negative connotation a lot of times. And in this it was almost like the reverse you're getting a completely reverse perspective and it's like the the people that are watching them, it's like it's almost like they have pity for them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's just yeah, I just I just love that whole perspective the entire time because obviously I mean, there's there's a lot of weird there, there is negativity in other themes of the book, but I think that like the yeah. positive elements definitely outweigh. Where it's like, this is cool, this is fine. Like it's almost like depicting like a world that we should all be living in, mm-hmm. you know. Essentially, instead of there, there shouldn't be two sides. Just, just be like, this is all good.
0: Yeah, you know, technically, a- absolutely. Um, there's a an, uh, there's another thing. There's a, co- a couple of things I want to read, but there's wonderful um, philosophy that Catherine Dunn imbues in, I feel like it's Ollie, but I'm not sure. On page 105, she's talking about this innocence that adults have and that children, if they really knew how children felt about them and why they cry, they would, it would break their hearts. Mm. Um, can we blame, uh, is it bitter for the young to see what awful innocence adults grow into, that terrible vulnerability that must be sheltered from the rodent mire of childhood? can we blame the child for resenting the fantasy of largeness big soft arms and deep voices in the dark saying tell papa tell mama and we'll make it right the child screaming for refuge senses how feeble a shelter the twig hut of grown up awareness is they claim strength these parents in complete sanctuary the weeping earth itself knows how desperate is the child's need for exactly that sanctuary how deep and sticky is the darkness of childhood how rigid the blades of infant evil, which is unadulterated, unrestrained by the convenient cushions of age and its civili- uh, civilizing anesthesia. Grown-ups can deal with scraped knees, dropped ice cream cones, and lost dollies, but if they suspected the real reason we, co- re- we cry, they would fling us out of their arms in horrified revulsion, yet we are small and as terrified as we are terrifying in our ferocious appetites. We need that warm adult stupidity. Even knowing the illusion, we cry and hide in their laps, speaking only of defiled lollipops or lost bears, and getting a lollipop or a toy bear is worth the comfort. We make do with it rather than face alone the cavernous reaches of our skulls, for which there is no remedy, no safety, no comfort at all. We survive until, by sheer stamina, we escape into the dim innocence of our own adulthood and its forgetfulness. Mm. Jesus Uh H. Christ. Uh Uh, Robert you have a pregnant wife at home and I'm wondering how this book <laughs> fucked with your brain. Well I
3: wish I had, I wish I had gotten it earlier so I could have got her on the Drano and, yeah, hair and hairspray
0: and <laughs> <laughs> to really breed a proper circus freak. Yeah but, um, the Baker Carnival coming to right. a town near you. Oh, hey, <laughs> What was your question? (laughs) I wonder if this book, because I'm assuming you're the only person in the room, and I'm making assumptions here, unless Engineer Cody, you're pregnant. Um, No comment. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. Um, That none of us are with child or carrying children or have children? Okay, no. No. Uh, Baker, your your wife is with child, and this book is about pregnancy and parenthood and uh, the raising of children, and I wondered if that – Affected the reading of this this book? Uh,
3: n- n- not not too much. I mean, ex- aside from like what you just read, like the acceptance, and I and I wonder that too. Like it's like, what does a kid really yeah. think about me? What, what's he going to think about me? It's like I'm not sure what I'm thinking about him. He might be a dick. I have no idea. <laughs> like I, I just have to kind of it's just kind of acting on faith now. Yeah, know? yeah. But uh, it, it didn't all that much. Aside from just like the acceptance of it, and like how proud Al was of every kid. Like, you know, that was, I thought that was really moving. Like, Will kind of loses her mind fairly early and until Artie really takes the power away from Al, like, I just, he just seemed like a really good dad, which yeah, sounds crazy absolutely. about of what he did to yes. like to have all to manufacture these yes. children. But yeah, like,
0: what he did was terrible. But, but he, he was a great them, but dad. but he
3: always loved them. He always, you know, encouraged what they were trying to do. Like yeah. he was always including them in everything. He wanted them to know how everything in the, you know, he wanted them to know all aspects of the thoroughfare and then like of the Midway. And then they, and then like seeing how the kids responded to it, I mean, in different degrees. already wanted to take it over. Ollie was happy to to, you know, just kind of be like the general protege to everything. And then the, the twins had like their specific role to yeah. play. But like I just I was just it was that more than anything. It was like I was this guy's a good father. It's the like,
0: it's the power of Catherine Dunn as a writer because he I mean the, he he's breeding children for his own Right. Benefit.
3: And constantly, like there were what, five or six dead ki- yeah, kids yeah, yeah. that didn't survive? Oh, yeah, and then exactly. you had and then you had five you know, if you count the twins as two, you had five kids alive. So he probably mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he was constantly trying to have yeah. more
0: kids. And, and and as soon as the fat mumbo or mambo oh, mumbo, yeah. Mumbo. Yeah, the, yeah. Remember, the twi- mumbo, mumbo. P. wasn't it? P? Yeah, it was mumbo. mumbo. Oh,
1: Mumpo. Mumpo, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That sounds accurate. <laughs> Who weighed twenty four or twenty six pounds? Twenty six oh pounds. Oh, I remembered that. I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh, shit. no, full
1: blown nightmare. Oh. Nightmares. Um,
0: but the fact that he wanted to, he's like, let's get a sign on this baby and put it in yeah. a cage and world's fattest baby. Yeah. What time does this thing take naps so we can put it in front of a window and charge? And I di- and, and in that moment, because of the the universe that Catherine Dennett built, I didn't see him as a f- bad father. I saw him as being like entrepreneurial and trying to take care. Like, if we can put this thing, to, this this baby, to work <laughs> and generate revenue to take care of all of us, like that's empowering the family. We and, all need to do our part. And to- in a
3: perverse way, you're creating a sense of value that the kid will have. Yes, like it's not. I mean, a monetary value, yes, but it's like, oh, value I have, I itself. have a purpose. Yeah, I like, feel like, as bizarre as it is, but like, that's the yeah. world. <laughs> like it's,
1: Al was the Chris Kardashian of the world. <laughs> <thing.
0: laughs>
1: that's like kind of how I felt a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It. Because again, it's, I mean, well, eh, I mean, I'm sure people have a lot of uh, comments on that one, but I mean, essentially, it's like there's a stage mom or dad mentality, mm-hmm. where Absolutely. it's like not every Literally. stage parent is like horrifically bad. I think they I think they really want to cultivate their kids' interests and then sometimes that can go beyond what might be appropriate for their age or whatever and it's and when you grow up in it it's kind of like you don't know anything better so or anything different rather. So I think for all, all these kids, they this is like the environment they grew up in. They don't really like I don't there's there's no desire to like leave because It is so positive and warm in so many ways Um, yeah yeah and that's why it's really painful when it kind of when it all breaks down Mm -hmm. because it's like I mean it really does feel idealistic especially up top where it's like they're all sitting around and they're telling stories and it's like and like that the language that that Catherine Dunn uses is is, what we were saying earlier is just like it fits all that where you're like you're like I want to be sitting in with them and like you know part of this like this special just childhood essentially it's a
0: wonder it's so funny because she, she makes this beautiful, she paints this beautiful picture at top of this family sitting around by a fire listening to the father tell tales and the mother is doing her sewing and looking up and chuckling and you just want to be there and it's so typically beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to describe the prototypical like charming family experience, it's sitting around the fire listening to dad tell tales and everyone is charmed and in love with each other, but she just turns it on its head and gives them flippers and bald heads and humps and conjoined twins and but and so it forces you to be like are you still do you still think this is beautiful even though I'm showing you grotesque things, haven't I painted a beautiful picture for you? Isn't that enough? Is your so, family better than this family? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it forces you to think like, oh, fuck, well, where is the beauty in that? I guess it doesn't matter how you look or what you, or uh, or uh, or how you behave. It's more about like how you love one another. And that's really all that fucking matters. And this family obviously loves each other, even though, I mean, uh, you can talk about Artie for fucking days, but... And Ellie and the difference between Ellie and if- Ify, Ellie <laughs> and Ify, Iffy. Iffy. Iffy, Iffy. yeah. Um, but th- it's a beautiful family. Yeah. And it's grotesque and perverse and dark and disgusting. There's yeah. disgusting moments of this book, and I was kind of yeah. thrown by the language. I was disgusted and gross. It was. It was. Gr- mm-hmm. I was grossed out. Yeah. And I just love that she she places all these grotesque, weird, disgusting things in a, in a beautiful family environment. Yeah, that was, doesn't pull any punches oh with God, the visuals. No. No, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's
1: just like blunt through and through. Yeah, the C
0: word happens a couple times yep. for sure. <laughs> yeah, There's a lot of just blatant sexuality that is, that is, I thought this, because this book is so popular and so accessible and sort of celebrated, I was surprised by sort of the overt... Like, this, the the sexual acts, I was like, oh, this is very, she's fucking, she's not pulling any punches. Yeah, this is, yet. like,
1: definitely not, like, I was like, oh, man, like, this is not a high school book. I feel like it's like I a college it w- book, right? Yeah,
0: I oh, guess. for sure, for I sure. I mean, it probably
1: depends on where you go to school, but, I mean, <laughs> I was like, they wouldn't, probably. I, I probably would never have read not this. Not a high
0: school book, for sure. No.
1: <laughs> We're going to take
0: the briefest of breaks. We're going to come back with more about uh, Geek Love and Catherine Down. You're listening to Reading Aloud. This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than 20 bucks a month, you get four to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one of a kind items, and more. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash Nate, enter code Nate, and save three bucks on any new subscription, and they guarantee $40 worth of value in every crate, every month. Previous crates have included franchises like Star Wars and Marvel, The Walking Dead, The Legend of Zelda, many more. Pop culture is full of brave new worlds and societies in flux that don't always turn out for the best. June's theme will be exploring some of the ways things can go wrong with dystopia featuring classics RoboCop, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and The Matrix, and new faves Bioshock Infinite and Fallout 4. Again, LootCrate.com slash Nate. Enter code Nate and save three bucks. Uh, We're back. I I, I spilled a lot of water, like, right near the board, but we soaked (laughs) it up, and everything's fine. Everything's cool. I can't see Cody's face right now. I can't. um, it, it, Does he look upset? No, he's smiling. Everything's cool, right? Cody's
1: smiling. It's a pain
0: smile, but a smile. It be working? Yeah, we it, we
1: picked it up and we cleaned yeah, it, up I picked it up underneath me. it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, we picked it up telekinetically. Yeah, But yeah. yes. Chick, Chick, it did, it for us. Just Chick like did it. Just like Chick. Uh, there are a lot of characters that we haven't even covered yet. But I before we get into the other characters, I want to go back to you, Eric, and because you're the person in here who has read this book twice. Mm-hmm. So, what did you discover? Uh, from the second reading that you didn't get from the first, but it's also been twenty years. So you probably probably—it's been
2: twenty years. You know, honestly, I didn't remember the book that well. Other than I yeah. remember loving it. You know, yeah. it's been—it's been twenty years. Did you and, read in
0: cl- in school?
2: No. How old am I? Yeah. Oh, I, I was eighteen, twenty years ago. No, I didn't. Okay. Just I, on your I was own. a no. I was an industrious reader. And Good I read for it you. My own,
0: Nate. Good for you. God bless you. <laughs> I was
2: not when I was eighteen. I remember I actually read it in Solvang on like a family trip. Whoa!
0: Yeah, shit, fucking a. You so probably I, could have found
3: a midway not far from there. That had some of these guys. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Uh, so, what did you? How did you feel reading it for a second time? You know, I love. it. Is that it. the same copy th- that it, you had? It isn't because I okay. gave that copy away and no
2: one gave it back. I loaned it to someone. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah. So I just but I just bought it about a week ago and I read it this week. I read it because I I kind of put it off a little because I Me too. already read it and and it dense. <laughs> But it but it Ugh. I wanted to kind of I savored every chapter and every word. Like mm-hmm. I really the writing is so so good. And, yeah and I did know what was coming and I kind of didn't want to get to some of the things that were coming and I wanted to mm-hmm. to stay uh, in the the happier times a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then absolutely. I think I kind of sped through when it gets really gnarly at the end. Yeah,
0: shit gets really gnarly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Shit gets <laughs> a lot of fire. Yeah. A lot of charred a lot of charred people, lobotomies. Oh. Mm-hmm. The description—it's such a small thing, but the description of—it's um, so fucking sad. Because uh, I love these twins. I love them so much. Uh,
2: that made me so mad when because I'm—I was for Artie for the, for the most part. I, I was into his thing, even though it's kind of like I—he I, was a fascinating character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so so I, I went along for the ride with him until he decided to fuck up with his sisters. Yeah. And S- yeah. I was a little confused. It seemed like they were trying to just, you know, cut one of them out completely and then they went for the lobotomy yeah. instead.
0: Yeah. It made me really mad. There's a yeah. description on uh, uh, 276 Iffy braided Ellie's hair so she wouldn't drool on it. Ify with hands like angel wings, combing and polishing the long, gleaming strands while Ellie lay against her. Ellie's head drooping forward on the too long, too thin neck, her face blinking emptily at the sofa cushions. If he would wind the long braids into coiled black shells and pin them over Ellie's ears and then do her own. I fucking love that. Mm-hmm. Then if he would turn the blank, soggy face toward her and sponge it carefully, brushing the eyebrows smooth and propping the lower jaw closed with one hand so that for an instant it looked like Ellie until if he let go and the face fell down again, Ugh. it's just fucking devastating.
1: It's so it's sad. De-
0: it really fucking broke mm-hmm. my fucking heart. It's so Kennedy esque. Like I forget which sister that they gave he, the, lo- the lobotomy to. He
3: just couldn't have Artie just couldn't Belly. have anybody be a Belly. bigger yeah. freak yeah. than him than he.
0: Yes, yeah. like he
3: he made chick. Essentially, his slave.
0: Yeah, like
3: Ollie was not. She didn't have any real special powers beyond her physical yes. appearance. Like, and she it wasn't too
2: crazy.
0: It wasn't right.
2: too se- severe. But she was his massage therapist. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah. that's true. So that's many descriptions <laughs> of massage. of Her oiling his, yes. you know, his well-muscled ribs, and his, ribs. Yeah. And
2: his testicles. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the girls. As soon as the girls started turning tricks, and they were, and people were paying them so much yeah. money. Yeah. Yes. Power. They, he it was like no, he's they. Like, he's like nope. they like. Right. Nope, not gonna. Not gonna the
0: balance allow of that. power was right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it interesting because
2: they were not even very likable,
0: and you feel so heartbroken when when they give him totally. When yeah. They, because it, oh, Ellie was rude to everyone, mm-hmm. and if he was the sweet and charming one, yeah,
1: but she was like we. She had a weakness too. You yes. know what I mean? Like that's yeah. they, they. I mean, obviously, like, they were better than, than <laughs> Artie was. Is the worst, but like you know, <laughs> yeah, it was just it. It was so. I mean, that's the good thing about all these characters is that like even though you know Artie is pain, is definitely like the villain. There, each character was really dynamic. You kind of feel like even if they're li- like Ollie's like likable, but she's she's also very like weak, and you want her to like have a Backbone, and I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's just like Catherine didn't write these characters as like one note, which mm-hmm. I really no, enjoy God, because that's yeah. why they feel like they're so real. They're
0: all so real and so different.
1: You c- feel conflicted when things happen because sometimes you're like, oh, I'm glad it's happening, or I'm like, I don't know, I, you yeah. know, I don't know how yeah. I feel.
0: Let's talk about the one member of the family that we haven't really spent <gasps> much time on, and that's lovely chick.
1: My favorite one, of course. I mean,
0: Fortunato, mm, yes, Fortunato, yeah, Fortunato. I just, I mean, uh, the fact that he's. I mean you, you immediately sympathize with him because he's about to be dropped off at a gas station. He's the he's the one that's being abandoned yeah. by the family. They think he's a norm. They think yeah. he's normal.
1: That's the weirdest and, part, best part.
0: Well, and then but he's all, he's a freak inside. Exactly. Exactly. And they all yeah. figure it out. And the description of him literally when he's a baby in the box moving he's to hungry, the mother yeah. when yep. he's hungry mm-hmm. and they realize that he has this, you know, telekinesis. But the fact that he is I just love that they describe this bizarre world of grotesque characters with flippers for hands and conjoined twins and humps and bald heads, albino (laughs) eyes, and it goes on and on and on. And then this, at the center of it is this beautiful, perfect little blonde boy with this shocks of blonde hair who who is, quote unquote, normal on the outside. And... It's just like another fucking level that Catherine Down is dropping into yeah. this discussion about normalcy and otherness mm-hmm. and difference and and what has more value uh, because if if he it already sees him as as typical physically, but of course he's the most most powerful of all of them put together. But the fact that he is so sweet mm-hmm. and kind and doesn't want to hurt anyone uh. is just like. It just makes him all the more... It's, he's the, the most sympathetic character in the book by far. Oh, definitely.
1: absolutely. And Catherine
0: Dunn, um, sh- I know, does this on purpose, and she does it so fucking skillfully. You can't help but want to fucking take care of Artie and empower him and hopes that he turns to the side of good as opposed to the side of evil and right. like get away from Artie, Do, like right. be, you know?
1: Yeah. I just felt like, I mean, you really feel it through the, through the words, like, you know, when, when they're taking, uh, when Al takes chick out to like be, like, to help him, you know, gamble. And then like, yeah. those guys <laughs> come and those. he, and you know, like those like kind of goony guys come and, uh, which, which already like set up, which was yes. insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just like, you know, Chick didn't realize, like, like, like he he almost like accidentally used his powers and and you know gave that guy like a like a skull fracture or yeah. whatever. And he has such like empathy. He's he's freaked out by his own powers and sad that he you know has the potential to use them for bad. While it's like Artie doesn't really have any powers that give him the ability to be an evil person, but he manifests it himself. It's kind of, that's kind of an an interesting Mm -hmm. thing where it's like chick is by far, could be like the, he could kill like everyone in the room, Mm -hmm. but he feels so like he doesn't, he has empathy. He
2: doesn't have empathy. Absolutely.
1: Like his soul doesn't, it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work that way. He Mm -hmm. doesn't have that in his blood while it's like, Artie is just like, he has almost like almost no power, but then almost creates it, I guess. It's mm-hmm. probably the best way.
0: The, the way that you bring up evil, I want to, uh, uh, there's a, so we have a, a new, um, let me type in. Uh, oh, and a
1: little, little fan, fan mail? Yes, yeah, so we have
0: some voicemails, All right. Um, which I want to get to. And one of them is about um, inherent evil mm. and uh, where it exists. And let's see if I have the right one here. I have two of them. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, let's try this one. Okay. <laughs> this is from Betsy.
5: Hi, Nate and Sam. This is Betsy Basom from Los Ten, Angeles. Three of you. And I'm talking to you about Geek Love. Wow. What a wild read that was. Uh, geek Love by Captain Dunn will definitely take you into the dark world of carnival life and into the psyche of those who follow the carnival folk and eventually into that twisted mind of the cult leader and his followers. I found the book full of slimy, icky, gross surprises. Some of the parts are super graphic. Yes. And many folks might find it downright disgusting and vulgar, but I think that's kind of what made it fascinating and it kept me reading on and wanting more. Um, What struck me most is the narrator's apparent belief that children are savage and evil beings from birth. I don't know what her actual beliefs are, the author's beliefs, but she definitely sounded like she fell in the Augustinian camp and, uh, St. Augustine of Hippo was one of the theologians that, you know, had the impact on the Western belief of original sin and that all humans are born evil. And, uh, he says that in his autobiographical, um, Les Confessions, The Confessions, he says, like, basically an infant who was just born is, is evil and has sin. So I think that's kind of what uh, Catherine Dunn was saying. Uh, and we see a parallel of that in Chapter 9 when she writes how deep and sticky is the darkness of childhood, yeah. how rigid the blades of infant evil. She's basically saying children are evil and nasty. Oh, my. We see this over and over and over again. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to go into it. Speaking of gross, there's that whole arthurism thing, but I'm going to send you an email about that. Looking forward to the podcast. Bye.
0: Uh, Betsy, well said. It's, I know. It, oh yeah, uh, well said. There, there is so much to say about, and also I, I feel like she was the she's, she's she's a parent herself. She has one child. I just <laughs> wonder, like, what that, her relationship was like with her son.
1: I I wonder if she had like. Postpartum or something. Something because I mean, and that's and that's okay. Like I mean, that happens.
0: But her f- I'm like her feelings were hurt when she wanted to go for a walk with her son. Her son's like, no, I want to play. And she's like, she's like, but, I, I want to. But this is a
2: go beautiful ahead. statement. Of, like, if, if, if this is for her son, it's a statement of saying, I will love you no matter what. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, oh uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Well, you're right.
1: I I cons- you're absolutely right. constantly feel conflicted. There's so—I feel like with every, like, you know, like, statement like that, there's—this book is not just, like, that there's other things because sometimes it's, like, I don't know, like, being different is also, like—I don't know how to describe it. It's, like, obviously it's it's good. It cultivates, like, they, they do have, like, this empowerment and this love and this, like, positivity early on, but then it kind of all, like, goes insane at the end. So it's, like, I don't know. I feel like there's—I have conflicting feelings about the theme being, like, just that because— You know, obviously, Artie, you know, in his cultiness, is kind of like, you know, asking people to... Forcefully be different. Yes, where I don't mm-hmm. know. Like there's just there's, I feel conflicted. Just but, kind of. But he
3: only wanted the people that wanted to be different because he said I only right. want losers that know they're losers. That's why he wouldn't do the lobotomy because he wanted to. He wanted people mm. to make a conscious decision to keep hacking themselves to pieces. Right. Which is, <laughs>
0: which is because they fantastic. know that they're because they like, know that they're not enough. Right. 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 Yeah. He
3: wanted. To, he wanted to. That's how you destroy someone completely. Like he had. He was controlling them so f- completely by. Like, a pinky. Another finger. This. Yeah. And you just, just ask me if you can cut something. Like, you have to ask me if you can destroy yourself. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That is uh, control.
0: Being destroyed yeah. by another character we haven't mentioned, Dr. P. Oh, with her mask and her fucking starch white hat and her starch white clothes. Freak.
1: freak her, freaks status. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she's a freak. <laughs> she's a well,
0: compelling freak. she operated freak. on herself. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, she came here. It's an incredible detail. In that story.
1: was it's... So and how she had faked
3: her way into med school yes, and that, yeah. Yeah. like everybody's like well her work was really good yeah they right. like found her and they're like
1: yeah I mean she just got too tired to finish I was like what she anesthetized
0: herself yeah, yeah. I, I forget if they said where it was it was like it in, was her in her dorm, dorm room. room in her was in dorm, dorm room right. they, yeah. she
3: created a like a surgical laboratory yeah in her and they dorm. were
1: impressed that she like was able to pretty much like get the whole thing done really well done yeah. but it just like kind of got tired and, and then she called I was like what
0: <laughs> and all and, and also the father being a doctor and being fascinated by mm-hmm. medicine and yeah. making up all these po- uh, potions, potions to to heal pe- like the like being god playing god the father yeah. wanted to play god he wanted to create children uh, and he wanted to heal people, and yet he buckled so early. I, that was the one thing that I found difficult to buy was how quickly— Artie took over. Artie took over, and, yeah. how, and how all of a sudden the father, just sort of the handsome man, uh, he just sort of just gave up and gave in to Artie. And do it was—go
3: ahead. Uh, do you think it's because he was a norm? Like, do you yeah. think maybe there was somewhere in himself where he huh, was like, maybe. I don't know, the freaks probably know the freaks better than I do, or like that was part of why Artie wanted to take over? Was like, yeah, he's my he, dad, but he's still a norm,
0: and he, and he maybe. knows that he's weak too. He said like, I bet I could, I, he, I bet he'd give up, give us up really easy or give oh, in really yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. He's like, it kind of scares me that dad's a bit of a pushover, yeah, and and then pushes him over. But it's also maybe the dad sort of. Because the grandfather started it, the grandfather passes it to the eldest son, and the eldest the, the father passes his t- to the eldest son, and Artie's the oldest son. Right. And so uh, maybe the dad was like, "Well, this is just how it's going to go." He's taking over a little bit earlier than I did, but this is just sort of what the families population. do. You pass around, you pass yeah. down the, the family business. Yeah,
1: family business. Yeah, I mean, I, guess I, I buy that. I guess. Yeah, yeah. we have he another had
0: resentment also throughout up up until the, the dad, end, even the dad. did. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But wasn't really able to sort of voice it. Yeah. Um, We have another voicemail. Uh, Keep them coming. The first uh, was from Betsy. Here's another one. Let's listen to this listener. Here it comes.
6: Hi, guys. This is Melanie from Salt Lake City calling about Catherine Dunn's Geek Love. Um, This book was crazy. (laughs) It is not my favorite book club so far, but I'm really glad I read it so that I'm now in the club of all the cool people who roll their eyes at me when I say that I haven't read it. Anyway, so
0: I'm gonna stop you there. You are special, no matter what. <laughs> You're special, however, whatever you don't books have you have to read. read, this book <laughs> exactly. I keep playing. Here it comes.
6: I loved the part of this book that read like a family drama, even though there was a family of freaks and they're all weirdos. I love that there was just normal sibling rivalry and this kind of dingbat mother figure. Um, So that was probably my favorite part. And the quote that stood out for me the most in the book was when Oli says, he must love me, I thought, amazed. A faint whiff of nausea hit me at seeing pain as proof of love, but it seemed true, unavoidable. Mm. So obviously, Catherine Dunn's an amazing writer, and there were many lines like that that stood out. Um, but the thing that was the biggest drawback, I never feel like Ms. Lick's storyline was really explained very well. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because I don't really understand the motivation behind what she was doing. So, mm. anyway, thanks for the book club. I'm excited to listen.
0: And thank you for the call. Again, the number is 702 751 read from the next book club, 702 751 Read. I'll give that number again in further episodes of, of reading aloud. But let's uh, let's talk about that. Yeah. Is a wonderful quote. That's a about good. The, oh yeah. The pain is proof of, of love. Yeah, pain is proof of love. That's fucking wonderful. Thank you for pointing that out. And also, Miss um, uh, Lick. I want to let's talk about Miss Lick a little bit mm-hmm. and how she furthered the story, how she helped us, how she hurt us. Um, Strange, strange, strange character. We don't yeah. see, I feel she, like Catherine Dunn like gave her tw- like 20% of the story, maybe probably even yeah. less. less, maybe, yeah. maybe 15. 12, 15. Yeah, 12. yeah, so it was hard to get completely wrapped into why she was behaving the way she was behaving, seeing that naturally beautiful women were were vulnerable to men's desires and they would not be their full selves if they were just... Uh, typically beautiful and gorgeous. That was right. uh, they, they would always be hamstrung by their beauty, mm-hmm. um, which I I get that on its face. But why? Where this came from, and her relationship with her dad, and her and the way she looks, and her asexuality, and her business acumen, and her money. The, I, I, I I I needed more. I think to really invest in who she was.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. It was just it just kind of felt. I don't know. Maybe like maybe when we as we've been talking about this more, and maybe like how it slightly potentially ties to like Catherine Dunn's like life, or I mean not not her like literal literal life, but yeah. there's like parts. Maybe it's based off of like a, a someone she knew or something where like she's like, the, and and not not completely directly, but maybe indirectly like created this character as an influence because that's how it kind of feels. It doesn't. I don't. I, I wanted more. It felt—I don't want to say it felt like an aside because obviously it moved the story along in some ways, but I didn't feel like I knew enough about her. Like there was like less motivation. I don't know. It just kind of like she showed up, and I was like, oh yeah, there's that chick, and then like (laughs) I don't know. It's just
2: weird. I'm gonna make a contrary statement. Can't wait. I'm gonna gonna say (laughs) that I feel like she didn't. It didn't matter who Miss Lick was. She was a stand-in for Artie. And oh. Ollie yes. finally stood, stood up her brother. to mm,
0: Great! And it oh, well said.
1: That's a really good point.
0: Great. I mean, she has. She's. She's. She is already for sure. They have. There's a similar sort of like trying to manage and control that's, the universe. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, that's really fair. Yeah. That's true. It's like you know, just she. Probably, Ollie wanted that like conclusion. That makes a lot of sense. That's but right. Yeah. That's what. I that's good. Yeah, it. No, yeah. That, that's that true.
0: makes good sense
3: because she finally gets. She finally gets to save the daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, to mm-hmm. save Miranda. Like, yes. Because Artie, you know, she's lucky Artie didn't have her killed. Like, if she had been born without the tail, he probably would have, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. she probably yeah. sends him to the orphanage at least. Uh,
0: you, you mentioned Miranda the first time we've d- brought up Miranda in this oh, discussion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're almost an hour into this conversation. The uh, Before the book begins, she has uh, Catherine Dunn puts a quote from The Tempest. Prospero says, This thing of darkness I acknowledge mine which is in reference to Caliban, who is this monster that lives on the island, who is grotesque and disgusting and evil, but is, his, is Prospero's slave. And Prospero's daughter is named Miranda. Hmm. So I feel like she – there is some parallel. I, I didn't go back and read The Tempest, but I feel like <laughs> – Lazy, are, lazy. I, very, very uh. lazy. But you know who has a thought on Miss Lick uh, <gasps> is my friend Sam. Oh, Sam, Sam has Sam. a uh, – it's, it's quick, it's brief, but uh, can we play –
4: Cody the third. All right, Nate and guests. My question for you is about Miss Lick and why do you think she does the things she does? I read some ideas online that um, maybe she's just jealous that these people are more beautiful than her, then it's personal. Uh, I find it too easy that, you know, she's just a psychopath that Catherine Dunn doesn't seem like the type of person who would have a character do something right. for something that simple. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just curious What your personal thoughts on it are? Why do you think she changes people the way she does, what satisfaction she gets at it? And do you think her fixing people or what she conceives to be fixing people is any worse than what Art is doing to people in order to prove themselves to be in his cult? Yeah, uh, I think it's
0: piggybacks on what you said, Eric, Mm -hmm. is that she is the perfect stand-in for Artie and gives um, Ollie a a chance to stand up Mm -hmm. And they both want control.
3: Like, Miss Lick and Artie both wanted to control Everything and like, yeah. She had none growing up. Like her dad was Miss Lick's dad was Mm. like such a Mm. like a titan of industry and was like such a powerful figure. And And, she was unhappy.
0: They talk about all the photos of her without she's never smiling. Yeah, "Yeah."
3: and she always had to do like whatever she was interested in. Probably got pushed to the wayside. It's like no, you you we're gonna go shoot guns. You're gonna be a an expert marksman. That's what you're gonna do. Yeah, you're gonna get into the business of make it the fucking TV dinners which oh is great God. that yeah. she yeah. ate yeah. she yeah. ate Thanksgiving dinner every, every day. night
0: that's fucking so incredible great detail what a fucking amazing detail that's the
1: best part where does that come from
0: again just like admiring Catherine Dunn's yeah. imagination
2: yeah the insane thing shit. about Miranda like imagine you're an orphan you have a tail you <laughs> grew up in in a nunnery <laughs> And you, you're, you start stripping. You're going to school. You're, you're becoming an artist. You meet this this midget, albino midget. Yes. One day, the albino midget dies in a murder-suicide and you find this book.
0: Oh, my <laughs> God. I know. It's incredible. Be like, it's incredible. What? There's so much to marvel and, and about And your grandmother this. is the crazy lady downstairs. Yes. Who's yeah. got the thick glasses who watches the television. That would, and
1: your, your mind would just implode. You'd just be like, what? Yeah. I mean, obviously, the tale is enough, let alone, like yeah. the backstory behind the <laughs> yes. entire thing. And it's like, and oh, you're, oh, and you're oh.
3: very wealthy, and you own this
2: thing. Yeah, <laughs> oh and God. your
1: your dad was my brother, technically. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes.
2: <I laughs> mean, we haven't even
0: talked about that either. They <laughs> didn't <laughs> have sex. Telekinetic know, sperm. But, but so she like, wanted to, doesn't? That didn't was she, wild. <laughs> I mean, it was fucking That's wild. That's the weird yeah.
1: part. That I mean, we yeah. In the break, we slightly almost got into it. We, we saved ourselves for this. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, yeah, there was really really weird. It's a big ask. Lines being crossed about, like, wanting to bone your siblings. And the thing is, like, I know they all look different. It's not like, oh, clearly they're brother and sister. They all kind of come from a – they're they're cut from different cloths based on how many different kinds of drugs, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Crystal yeah. Lil took. But it's – like, that's the thing I was like, why is this not being addressed? Like, I was, I was kind of shocked that it wasn't being addressed um, at all.
0: It was, ne- it was never like, addressed. It was never like, addressed. Yeah, I kind
1: of like, I want to marry him. I was there, like, uh.
0: <laughs> there wasn't an outsider, even the journalist who's Nor- Norval Sanderson. Norval, yeah. Or whatever, yeah, he no. didn't have a perspective about it. He was the one person in this, Family in this universe that could be like, wait, what? Yeah, y- y- you know, but it's never brought up.
1: Maybe because the other stuff was so weird, it just kind of overshadowed like that. Like the incest part wasn't the weirdest part. And also,
0: so, yeah, yeah. There's, there's nobody's
3: there's not an innocent in the book. Like the norms are as bad as like, yeah, Ollie's mm-hmm. the closest there is to an innocent and she wants to have sex with yes, her, and have sex with her brother. And yes. She's the closest there is. Well, maybe Chick because he's kind chick's
1: of chick's like by far the best, yeah, chick's <laughs> yeah, the yeah,
3: most for sure. trusted, I guess, but yeah. like. <laughs> all the normal people are awful too like yeah. Sanderson you know they, like when he lies and tells them that he cut off his balls for him oh, oh yeah, my like god yes. so, but oh they, he then, lied. but there's like oh, I was blown off in in the Middle East or something yes. like oh, when he was on like as a war correspondent yes. or something yes yeah well, he's and got some uh, he's random he's like selling record. the maggots to
0: people yes like, oh, that yeah. whole fucking thing was just, that was just incredible
1: so weird. Oh, my God. So it goes, nuts. It
0: goes on and on and on. There's an amazing description when Chick describes, I don't want to read it all because it's too long, but on page 109, Ollie and Chick are having a discussion about his telekinesis. And he tries to describe to her, like, what's happening. And basically saying, you know the water tank at the back, said Chick, as I watched the small taps over the troughs and each cage opened slightly and trickles of water flowed. One of the Bengals leapt at its tap and began batting the stream with its paw. Water always wants to move, but it can't unless we give it a hole, a pipe to go through. We can make it go in any direction. If you give it a big hole, a lock comes out. If you get it a ping prick, you get a slow leak. He was struggling to make me understand. It was, it, I'm just the plumbing that lets it flow through. I can give it a big path or a small one, and I can make it go in any direction. But the wanting to move is in the thing itself. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't, I don't th- I'm not sure if that's sort of like a TM kind of thing that we're. But this is very like Eastern philosophy. Like mm-hmm. it all, every all we all want to fly. We all want to move. Everything want, but th- it's not given the outlet to. And yeah. he has the power to let it move.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like an, definitely an energy. Yes. Thing, not like I mean. You would think that in him explaining it would be more like scientific it's like okay well I do like I have this like I have this ability to move move things but it's it's definitely more like there's an energy surrounding things and I'm just p- opening up the pathway for that for this thing to it's I don't know. It's almost like it's making, like, gravity something less scientific and more something yeah. spiritual, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, yeah, it's making it spiritual. Um, we had some, a bunch of emails as well. When I get to – we have a wonderful uh, Yelena, God bless you, always reading the book club look, books. I think the author purposely changed uh, – chose the first-person narration so that the reader wouldn't feel like a stranger in that theater of the absurd. Oh, nice. I think that's mm. apt. That's a great point. Yes. I think yeah. she's absolutely right. And she also says – you can't help but notice that there's no reference to any particular period of time in the book. That's why this book resonates and will resonate forever, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, neither historical event is mentioned. The towns where the fabulon performed are no more than dots on the map. The story is outside of time and space, and it makes it look like a dream, or a nightmare, question mark, or a fable rather than something realistic, and yet it's quite believable in terms of relations between the characters. After all, it's a family story, no matter what this family looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, well said, Yelena. Yeah. Um, We're running out of time, so I want to go around the room one last time so everyone can sort of get their final thoughts if anyone has anything else to share. And I'm going to begin with Sam. Sam has recorded an end of show. Uh, (laughs) Sam, I didn't get to all of yours because we're running um, short on time because there was so much to talk about with this incredible book. But uh, this is called End of Show. Cody, do you see that one? (laughs) Let's play that one.
4: Hi, Nate in Book Club. Hi. Uh, This is for the part of the end, the show where you're wrapping up, and Nate asks uh, if you'd recommend this book. And yes, an overwhelming, resounding yes. Uh, I assume, as always, Nate's put together a collection of uh, writers, performers, actors, musicians for this book club. And I think all performers, to some extent, feel a little bit off and a little bit odd and like they don't fit in. So hopefully this book resonated and resounded with you as much as it did for me. Um, I remember distinctly growing up in a small town in Wisconsin and not feeling like I fit in with anyone, just that same sort of contempt for everyone around me that Ollie has and that uh, all the freaks have uh, until uh, I, it was someone's cool older brother gave me some minor threat and Black Flag CDs and dis- <laughs> I discovered punk rock and then would go to punk rock shows. And there was this great time when there was all in one room listening to this music was each small town's one person, like they didn't fit in. And for that one yeah. hour while the show was happening, we weren't freaks. This this was a community and this is all the oddballs together. And then the show would spill out into the street. And there was always a part of me, you know, I'd be around with all the other punk rock kids and uh, you know, someone going to their normal job on their way to work. And everyone would just pity them. and would be like, Ugh, look at that. What boring Yeah job are you headed to? You're, you're missing so much weird, bizarre shit happening in this building to go live your normal life. Uh, and the, this book reminded me of those days and how important that was to me. So I hope everybody, all you miscreants in this room uh, all, all bonded over reading of this. Uh, I love you, Nate. I love you, Sam. Well said. Aww. Well fucking said. Eric, what are your final thoughts?
2: I would definitely recommend this book. Yeah. I, I love this book. And I love how Deep, she gets into each of these characters, they're each so interesting, yeah. And she goes on little detours. You know, we didn't really talk about the Bagman, but that detour, she yes, takes, my so, god, with yeah. Vern and Such his work. kids, and Holy then he shit. goes and
0: kills his wife. Like that the description so- of, of him stacking the oranges, oh and how he, he couldn't stack the oranges, and that was like the tipping point. There's <gasps>
2: so many heartbreaking moments, and it's also very funny. I, I, I love this book, awesome. Yeah. thanks for doing this.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Baker, what are your final yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I, I definitely recommend. Recommend the book very highly. It's uh the more I've thought about it, it, it since we've been discussing. It's like this is a like a a beautiful family story. Yeah, really. Like it's about like it's sort of like what it you know you just get your family and you keep them together and you guys all kind of go on the life journey together. And yeah, it's it's and and it's and it's generational. Like from Al to Miranda, like you see how the family kind of by way of Ollie how the family has all stayed together mm-hmm. in some way. Even when she gave Miranda up, she never really lost track of her. Even in, when they're in jars, they're, like, polishing the jars. Oh, yeah. they, they see. Yeah, that's right. Even the dead, they see every day. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the grandfather. The
3: grandfather's urn on the top of the truck. She go, you know, they would go it's and just sort of rest against it. All yeah. Right. So it's really a, 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 a graphic, disgusting, beautiful family story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dana.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. I would recommend this book wholeheartedly. Um, and, and I would say to anybody that's reading it to be patient because I feel like that it's like, you know, you got to get into it. it, yeah. it, it they Just you're give right. yourself a little bit of patience up top because then all of a sudden right. it just, like, clicks and then, like, you're on the ride. Like, that's how I felt, you know, getting into it. But. Yeah, I mean, I found that the the world that Catherine Dunn created is just so amazing. It's funny, Nate, like you posted a, a picture, like, an, like a drawing yeah. of what the family looks like. Yeah. And it actually threw me off because in my mind, like they were so much more gross. And I was like, these people are cute. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. But I just, I, I absolutely love hmm. the world that she paints for <laughs> us, the... Um, relationships that she paints for us, and to really get into, you know, just I don't know, I just I just really like connected with all the characters in different ways. I feel like that it brings out a lot of emotion, um, and and a, and a thought process of yeah. I mean, kind of what Sam was saying that it's like it, there's there's that that self love and sort of you know. Really embracing your differences and your uniqueness and owning it, yeah. um, and then on top of that, a really just 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 face value a really intricate, crazy, weird, awesome story. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh,
0: I agree with all of you. I, this book is a marvel. I mean, it's it's hard to believe that this came out of one person. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's so intricate. It's so like she uses enormous. It's like the canvas is. F- Fifteen feet tall, and it goes for city blocks, and there's enormous, like, a, huge brushes with just big generic colors, and then she gets down to like the smallest brush and paints the that the most uh, intricate detail. It's it's all here, and it is so fucking dense. And I and Dana, I'll second what you said: is that it takes some time because it's a strange world. There are there are there's a lot of um, perversity and grotesqueness and gore, mm-hmm. but She's testing us. She's showing that that I'm going to throw at you all this, like, gore and disgustingness, but at the core of it, what it really is, like you said, Robert, is that this is a stunning just family story and the power of family and the power of self and loving oneself and that it's okay to be other and that mm-hmm. that there is strength in otherness and I this book is something this is a book that I would need to read again to really yeah. like scrape through and dig into I'd love to take a, a class where they taught this book. did novel. she write other yeah. novels I didn't really she wrote two of, other novels yeah this was this is her most successful by yeah. far and then she was um, she was uh, nonfiction she was a journalist she wrote about boxing yeah um, she was working on a novel before she died called The Cut Man no. about um, about boxing but I don't think it was ever published hmm. but Anyway, this this novel is so enormous, and it takes a little bit of patience. So, um, But you, the payoff is you're rewarded with you this are. patience. Eric Patterson, where can people find you on, on social media if they you, want to be a part of your life? You can find
2: me on Twitter, at Eric Patterson, with a K, E-R-I-K, P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N. And I have a play opening on July 16th oh. in Los Angeles called One of the Nice Ones at the Echo Theater. And it actually has some like oddly like
4: mm. simpatico, thematic uh-huh. things. Cool. Absolutely. Field trip. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> where can people find information about that uh, play? Just follow you on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Okay, yeah. great. Baker, what,
3: where can people find you? Uh, I'm on all the stuff, the Twitter and the
0: Instagram. It's uh, at Sly Huckleberry. Sly Huckleberry. And yep. Dana Wickens, where can people find you?
1: On Twitter, at Dana Wickens, W-I-C-K-E-N-S.
0: If people wanted to find you, Engineer Cody... Where would they find you in a hole in the ground? Um, usually at the bar next door to the studio. <laughs> it's across the street from Jack in the Box. What is it uh. called again? I don't even know. It doesn't doesn't have a name. It doesn't matter. People don't need names or labels. Just keep an eye out for me. I'll be somewhere around one of those dark bars. Uh, Big thanks to Sam for uh, including his thoughts. I didn't get to all of them because you're running late on time. But uh, thank you, Sam, for uh, being elsewhere but including yourself in this book club. Um, The next choice for the book club for the month of July is called The Girls a novel by Emma Klein, which just came out. It's People are going crazy for it. An indelible, this is from the hardcover, an indelible portrait of girls, the women they become, and that moment in life when everything can go horribly wrong. This stunning first novel is perfect for readers of Jeffrey Eugenita's Eugenides? I'm not sure. The Virgin Suicides and Jennifer Egan's A Visit from the Goon Squad. Two mm-hmm. amazing books. Uh, Northern California, end of the 1960s, a lonely and thoughtful teenager sees a group of girls in the park and is immediately caught by their freedom, their care- careless dress, their dangerous R of abandon. It's about uh, sort of her joining this cult life and it's very sort of Manson esque. Um, Shit gets crazy. Uh, So again, it's called The Girls. It's brand new. It's by uh, Emma Klein. Go pick it up. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Reading Aloud. Um, My name is Nate, and I'll see you next week with more Reading Aloud. Goodbye.
6: On Run and Beverly, we love to ask our guests difficult questions. Can I yes. ask you a question about the N-word?
5: Sure. Offensive?
6: Okay. Were you the cutest baby that's ever been born? I know you were. Pat Jewish? Yeah, are you? I am not. Not at all? Have you done your DNA with Ancestry? Yeah, I haven't done the DNA. Why haven't you done that? Is so, it yeah. derogatory to call you a Kiwi? Your face is like a baby face. You are, if kid uh, and play had a baby together, then it would be you. Uh, Do you mind if I make a quick phone call? Uh,
4: okay. That's so oh cute. My. Did you get a nose?
6: Sure. What about your great-grandpa? Were they slave owners? They must have been. Oh, your poor mother. Listen to Rana and Beverly today on Earwolf.com, Howl, or your favorite podcast job.
0: This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com.